I looked back into the room at Finn, and he looked at me, his head to one side as he sat straight up on his haunches. By the dumb look on his face, I felt my f face flush in embarrassment as I realized my face probably had looked just as dumb to the girl a few seconds ago. Come on, boy, I said, slapping my thigh. Finn hopped onto all fours and, tr and trotted ahead of me before he spilled down the steps in a loud scrabble of thumping paws and claws and the heavy, excited breathing a dog gets when it knows something is up. As I came into the living room, I heard familiar voices coming from the front porch. Tyler was, was doing most of the talking, and the more I listened, I could tell he was presenting our trio as if he alone was responsible for our survival. And you should have seen what we did with the last mob of the change, Tyler said, a little smirk on his face as he waited for the girl to ask a question. She didn't ask anything, so we continued to hold forth. I mean, there are all kinds of dead people everywhere, and this mob had planned an ambush for us, tried to T-bone us in an intersection, and then fill our car with bullets. But the thing was, that sounds real crazy, the girl interrupted. Thing is, it's almost dark, and I'd like to make sure we've made some preparations in case those things come around tonight. Good idea, Max, they were said. Let's get our stuff in the car, boys, he said before jogging down the front steps and onto the gravel driveway toward the olds. Tyler looked at Xavier's back and then over to the girl before turning and following Xavier. I stuck up my hand and said, My name's Ulysses, the girl said, smiling, shaking my hand. Her hands were warm and soft. Xavier told me, My name's Maxine, but my friends call me Max. I know, weird name, right? Like a flapper from the jazz age or something. No, no, I said, waving my hand. It, it's a great name. Then I just stood there idiotically, not knowing what else to say. And since I was getting all embarrassed again, I mumbled something about the car and jumped down the steps. Finn bounded down the steps after me and disappeared behind the house. As I drew near the car, Xavier was already coming back with his backpack hanging on one shoulder, a slight smile on his face. What? I asked. Xavier showed up to me and stopped, turned, and looked back at at Tyler, who was struggling to pull 24 pack of water bottles from the deep trunk, his bottles started to drop onto the gravel one by one. He's a peckerwood, Xavier said matter-of-factly, nodding toward Tyler's form, bent over the trunk. Xavier had meant it not as an, as an insult, but a studied observation. I didn't disagree. What do you mean? I asked in mock astonishment. If you hadn't taken charge today, we'd be sucking our thumbs and lying in the fetal position somewhere on the street. <sighs> Xavier grunted, slapped me on the shoulder, and turned toward the house. At the car, I reached into the back seat for my pack and dropped it to the ground. It felt heavier than I remembered. I leaned the shotgun on one side of the car and was pulling on the backpack when Tyler stepped over and grabbed the shotgun. I glared at him. We both knew he had waited until my arms were behind the straps of the loaded backpack until he made his move. I'm going to keep this a while, he told me, then turned and walked away. Enraged, I nearly cried before anger overtook everything else I was feeling. I ran up and launched myself at him. Only I didn't get far and it was all clumsy because of the extra weight on my back. So when I hit him, it was lower and ended up wrapping my arms around his waist instead of his chest as we went to the ground. When I landed on top of him, my backpack hit us both again as my legs splayed out, trying to keep him from rolling over. The shotgun clattered onto the ground, a foot from his outstretched arms. Tyler wasn't saying anything, and I hope I'd knocked the wind out of him. I climbed on top of him and shot my arm under his and up onto the back of his neck in a half Nelson, the way I first learned as six-year-old wrestler. Then I slid my other arm under his arm and over his neck, and had him in a full Nelson with all my weight and the weight of the pack on him. It was a waiting game now, and I alone had all the time in the world. Finally, he spoke in a low whisper, real slow between gritted teeth. Get off of me, bitch. Don't ever take my gun again, I told him without moving off him. Get off me, he repeated. Tell me you understand me first, and I'll get off you. I can't breathe, he spat. Then tell me you understand me, and I'll get off you. I understand, he said weakly. I slid my hands on the top of his head, 
putting all my weight there as I pushed myself off him. I pivoted away from him, which was good, because his arm shot out to the side to try to trip me up as I stepped to the gun and scooped it up in one motion and jogged back up to the house. Oh yeah, I should probably mention I've only lost three wrestling matches since third grade. Wrestling is about the only thing I do well. As I came up the steps, Xavier nodded to me sagely and said in a low voice, What did I tell you? I nodded back, but was still too pissed to say anything about it. My eyes flicked toward Max, who must have been watching the whole thing, but I never broke stride as I let myself back into the house, throwing open the screen door and shaking off my backpack in the living room, letting it land on the hardwood floor with a thud. I heard a whinnying and turned to see Finn McCool looking in through the screen door at me. I opened it, and he licked my hand and trotted inside, and just like that, my anger left me. I found a bowl for Finn and pulled out his bag of dog food, pouring in what I figured was a reasonable amount for a dog of Finn's size, who had eaten a plate full of cold cuts a few hours earlier. I brought the bowl back outside and set it down for him. He walked over to it, looked at me, then stuck his muzzle into the bowl and started eating. I left him crunching his food to search for a bowl of water. In the house, none of the water was working, so I came outside with a few water bottles. You can get him water from the pump over there, Max said, pointing to a red pump in the middle of a concrete pad, not 30 feet from the biggest outbuilding. Thanks, I said, and headed toward the pump with a stainless steel bowl in my hand. Truth was, it was getting dark, and I wasn't real comfortable heading out alone in the twilight. The mob of change had freaked me out, and the smaller pack of them hunting me the night before might have been even worse if I started thinking about it too much. I grabbed the handle and primed it twice before ice-cold water gushed out, most of it ricocheting out of the bowl at first, but then it slowed to a steady stream, and I filled up Finn's bowl and headed back. As I turned, I heard a loud crack from somewhere behind me in the tree line running along the far length of the cornfield. I ducked and flinched, thinking it was the crack of a rifle, which I had almost grown used to hearing. I told myself it was more like a branch cracking as I walked back to the house, trying not to spill the water. As I passed the car, I checked to see if it was locked. But when I saw the busted glass and missing sections of the windshield and rear window, I realized it made no difference. Thing was, I was forcing myself to stay calm and not run into the house, away from whatever had snapped a branch in the darkness of the trees behind me. On the porch... Fimical still had his head in the bowl, but I noticed he had turned himself around, so he was facing out over the yard at the very spot I'd just come from. He heard something and wanted to run to you, but I think his hunger won out. He ended up pushing his bowl away from the house so he could turn around and watch you at the pump. Xavier said. I nodded. I heard a branch snap. Sounded like it came from the tree line. We should go in and make some plants. Turning to Maxine, I added, Have you been sleeping here since all this started? You bet, she said. I had no choice. I locked the doors and window and stayed upstairs. I can tell you it hasn't been fun. I nodded to her. Then Finn sneezed and trotted over to me. I tussled his ears until he shook it off and headed out to the pump. Watching him, I figured he was going to look around the pump and then head over to a tree to do what dogs do. But once he was past the pump, he took off like a rocket into the cornfield and toward the tree line, and he was gone from sight. We gotta go inside, man, Xavier said as he stood, holding the screen door open. Okay, I said. Go ahead and I'll follow you. I can't leave him. We'll go in and see what other defensive measures we can take. But it's not safe to stay out too long, Xavier said. Not for any of us. I know, I said. I think he'll be back soon. Xavier let the screen door slam behind him, and I heard him talking with Max as they walked back toward the kitchen. I sat on the porch and began pacing, nervous for Finn out there in the dark, and nervous for myself out on the front porch as the shadows grew with the nightfall. Among the fields in the countryside, devoid of all artificial light, I could tell it was going to be real dark. 
Evening came. It's tough to know if I paced out there for 20 minutes or 40. But I stayed out there in the dark, my eyes adjusting to the darkness, drawing in faint moonlight and making out the shapes in the yard and beyond. I was happy we had made it to the farmhouse and met Max, but disappointed to think how neither I nor Xavier had checked on available gasoline or another working vehicle while we still had daylight. It was an amateur move for sure. But what really bothered me was how Tyler had tried to take my gun. I knew then he would have to be dealt with again, once and for all. Right now, he's probably plotting some kind of trick or cheap shot the way guys like him always do to guys like me. Heavy breathing from the darkness beyond coming at me fast scared me so much, I was seriously grateful I didn't pee my pants right there on the porch. Soon I realized it was Finn coming back like a rocket, just as fast but tired from his foray into what had to be enemy territory. Finn, I said, my heart thrilling to see him bounding toward me out of the darkness. He flew up the steps without touching him. His legs splayed as his claws tried to find purchase on the worn wood porch. Instead, he knocked me over like a bowling pin. You're a crazy dog, I laughed. He stood over me and looked into my eyes. His mouth opened a smile. Then he walked over to the screen door and stood in front of it, waiting for me to open it. I sat looking at him until he whimpered. I got up and let him in, but turned around to face the night, looking and listening, until Finn barked from inside the house on the other side of the door. I stepped in, then thought better of it, and picked up his water bowl before stepping inside and closing the door. I made a point of turning the deadbolt and sliding the chain to its slot. Had I known how close they were at that moment, I never would have lingered there at the open door like a fool.